This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, presented by VT Scoop on 247sports.com. Get out of here and get something cold to drink. <laughs> Y'all want to, too, you know it. All right, let it rip, let it rip, let's go. Hey guys, Matei from the future here. Before we get started with this episode of Inside the Tunnel, just wanted to come on here and say, look, Doug and I had a great time discussing Liberty. We went a little too long. Then we broke down Miami and what Virginia Tech has to do in order to make it a turning point of the 2020 season. Therefore, I'm going to be splitting up this episode into two parts. Okay. Does that work with you guys? Is that okay? Okay. So without further ado, here's part one. This is going to be Liberty. I'll make a separate note when it's going to be part two. It'll probably be two episodes. Welcome back to Inside the Tunnel. We're so glad you're with us, especially this week's episode after what happened last weekend. Uh, Joined by Doug Bowman. Doug, what is going on? You know, just another good, uh, what is it, Tuesday now here? Um, trying to recover, I guess, from the weekend and put it all together. It's, uh, it seems like we kind of do this once a year now um, when you look back at 2018 and 20 and 2019. So, you know, here we go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're going to attempt to make sense of this. I will say I enjoy doing these a couple days after the game just because you let the emotions kind of set aside and really understand a lot of the uh, context around a lot of the decisions. And it helps to hear the coaches really talk about what was going through their minds, because obviously in spur of the moment, you think completely differently. But it would be a lot more electric if we did this like immediately after. I I could not (laughs) imagine the, (laughs) the banter we would have, but... Here we go. Let's do this, guys. Let's recap it. Virginia Tech at home, rocking the all maroon. Plays against Liberty. Hugh Freeze, number 25 in the nation. 38 to 35. Liberty upsets Virginia Tech. A two touchdown favorite heading into the game. Virginia Tech loses to their third in-state program in three years. Liberty now seven and zero, further along in the top twenty-five. A great coaching performance by Hugh Freeze. Malik Willis, a one-time Virginia Tech commit, says, "Look, I'll do everything I need to do." Um, but I mean, first and foremost, Doug, tell me your immediate reaction to seeing that final score, thirty-eight thirty-five, losing to Liberty. Uh, it's pretty much everything everybody's been said at this point. Um, you know, Liberty is having a really good season. Malik Willis. I mean, if 
Virginia Tech basically, when they got him, told him he wasn't a quarterback, and that's why he decommitted to go to Auburn. So clearly showed Virginia Tech something about playing quarterback, about his ability to play quarterback. Um, he Freeze, we knew he was a really good coach. You know, say what you want about his character or whatever, but the dude can coach some football and win some football games. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still Liberty. It's still, you know, they were they – their opponents coming in were combined four of 28. Um, you know, they basically played nobody. Their biggest win was Syracuse, who's atrocious this year. So, yeah, inexplicable, um, unacceptable. Insert your adjective for, you know, that losing to Liberties just can't happen. Uh, five years into Justin Fuente's tenure, one Fuente's tenure, what when. Any any coach Virginia Tech has Virginia Tech should win should beat Liberty. Maybe not in like five to ten years once you know Liberty gets all that money pouring in that they're investing in the program and all that. But right now, even though they're seven and zero or coming in six and zero, that's a game Virginia Tech should win ninety nine times out of hundred. Um, so uh, another bad loss under under Justin Flint they put it next to Duke last year put it next to Old Dominion in 2018 um but you know they have you know going in you knew they had some players but you would have thought that Virginia Tech's overall talent depth and um some some advantage especially on the at the line of scrimmage would have won out but that obviously did not happen yeah, and the two things I want to say. One, that number 25 on the overlay for Liberty, I don't, you know, I, I said it in the game preview, but that shouldn't be an excuse to lose to this team. Even if you're unranked, Virginia Tech should have won this game, like you said, 99 times out of 100. And we'll get into it a bit later, but perhaps the most disappointing part of this entire game, you look at Liberty. And the advantages that they had, they were able to extend those advantages and maximize the potential that they had while Virginia Tech. And of course, we'll talk about some of the things that happened during this game and some of the key players that were held out. But it felt like Virginia Tech wasn't able to extend those advantages. So with that being said, let's go into our major takeaways of this game. Talk about the good. Talk about the bad. We'll get into some of the specifics a bit later on. But, you know, my biggest takeaway from this game is that Virginia Tech, to win a game this season, they need three things. They need an early lead in order to keep running Khalil Herbert, in order to keep running Hendon Hooker. They need to win the turnover margin. You see, you've seen it especially against Boston College, and then you've seen it on the flip side against Wake Forest. The last thing, and, you know, it was the first thing I tweeted out when I saw this game was starting, time of possession. When you think of Justin Fuente, he wants to be in control. He wants low risk, and he wants to hold on to the ball, limit the amount that the defense sees the field. And I think, you know, especially the time of possession, how skewed it was against Liberty, this game liberty held on to the football for 37 minutes and 27 seconds to virginia tech's 22 minutes and 33 seconds what that ultimately means is the virginia tech offense was barely on the field great and that's that's the coaching 
that's the coaching battle of the game within the game there. That was something I expected going in, knowing knowing that that was, you know, really in any game you're going to look at, you're going to say, I want my stronger unit on the field more than it, more than my weaker unit. Virginia Tech wants the same thing. Liberty wants the same thing. Liberty got it done based on execution there. Um, again, the, the slow start offensively, it, it – it kills Virginia Tech um, because it allows Liberty to kind of control that game and start racking up the time of pos- time of possession. They get that early lead, and now Virginia Tech's playing from behind, and um, that's something we've seen three times this year now: falling behind a Carolina, falling behind a Wake, falling behind a Liberty. That first quarter, that first fifteen minutes, ends up telling us which way the rest of the game is going to go. Um, so Virginia, whatever Virginia Tech can do to, you know, it, it pretty much comes down to execution there in the, the first couple drives of the game. They've got to, they've got to figure out a way to execute. And they didn't this game and it kind of set the tone. It gave Liberty that little glimpse of hope and optimism and, um, you know, all that stuff that, all that confidence that they came in with that they could play and win this game. And, you know, for, you know, this was Liberty's game of the game of the program today. Like this was their biggest win. Um, and, and that little, and just give, keeping them in the game early gives them, gives them what they need to kind of finish it off. So I, th- I think that's, that's the big thing is just figuring out, you know, sometimes Virginia tech does it really well and jumps out to an early lead. And sometimes they don't. And I think, that's probably the big story of this Virginia Tech team is just inconsistency. Um, sometimes they dominate and go right down the field against an inferior defense, and sometimes they struggle and don't. Sometimes the defense can get off the field, and sometimes they don't. So um, I think I think really inconsistent play is probably at the end of the season when we look at this team, it's probably the uh, going to be the story. Hundred percent agree with that. Uh, looking specifically at the Virginia Tech offense in this game, another phenomenal game by Hendon Hooker. Obviously had that one blip against Wake Forest, but since I think he's been spectacular. He was perfect against Louisville in the passing game, 10 for 10, uh, and had three rushing touchdowns. And then once again, 20 for 27. So that means in the past two weeks, he's for 37. Uh, he had 217 yards, three touchdowns, 20 carries, 156 yards, and one touchdown. I think this will, this is perhaps the best game that Hennon Hooker has played this season for Virginia Tech. Just knowing the context of the game, knowing that pretty much every time he had the ball, it was do or die mode for the Virginia Tech offense in order to get back into this game. Um, and yet, it's the game that I think will be forgotten by a lot of fans for his performance. Yeah, great. I mean, he basically was the whole offense for the last 30 minutes or so. And I would say that's pretty disappointing for Virginia Tech's offense that Brad Cornelson basically just has to say, you you are going to win us the game. Um, I know they had some read options that they were given. They were letting the read was to keep it. Um, but, you know, this is... This is a Virginia Tech offense against a Liberty defense that Virginia Tech should should roll most of the time. And that, you know, the, I think the injuries, James Mitchell, 
Nick Gallo, Khalil Herbert. Those are three big, big losses there that clearly change what you do offensively a little bit. But um, again, like we've been talking about, this is Liberty. This is, you should be able to win the game offensively with, even with those guys out hooker did everything possible to, you know, to not, I think he took so many big shots in that game and, and just kept getting up and kept getting up. So, I mean, he's a playmaker. He's a really good quarterback. We've known that since last year, it's about getting the production around him consistently to, to step up. And I think that's, that's hard for Virginia tech at times for whatever reason. And that's, like we said, that's the big story, but Hooker is, um, you know, <laughs> he's legit and he did, he did everything he could to win that game. And that, and that's the problem in it. It's both Virginia Tech needed Hendon Hooker to have that output in order to win this game. And like you're saying, it's against Liberty. This was supposed to be the final tune-up game before you go and you play a Miami, before you play a really tough Pittsburgh team, and then before you go on to play UVA and Clemson to cap off the season. And yet it you had to put so much on Hooker that now I'm wondering, can he get through this entire season? Can Virginia Tech even operate this offense going four more games Knowing that even last week against Louisville, you know, Hendon Hooker was taking those shots and it's, you know, you mentioned it, no Khalil Herbert and there was 11 other carries. Hendon Hooker had 20 carries. Raheem Blackshear had nine carries and then was hardly ever used. Jalen Holston had one good run, but then on a read option, he kind of turned the wrong way. And ever since they'd never called his number again. So I just don't know that this is a sustainable model for the Virginia Tech offense if they want to win football games. Did it give them the best chance to win against Liberty? Absolutely. I don't think you can fault the offensive production. There was certain plays that I think deserve fair criticism. But moving into games against Miami and Pittsburgh, I mean, you have to find something else, especially if Khalil Herbert is not available. I think, yeah, I mean, it shows just how important Khalil Herbert is in terms of distribution of the offense. And, you know, you, you can say that Hooker, that was the read to keep all of that. But if, if Herbert's in the game, he's getting his carries. Um, so I think Herbert's Herbert's return, Herbert's health is huge going forward as we head into this next stretch of ACC games. I mean, Miami's defense got shredded by Bailey Hockman and NC State. Um, so they're they're gettable. Pittsburgh's defense is scary good. Clemson's defense is scary good. So um, Virginia Tech's going to need to figure something out to get some consistency. And, and it's kind of the same story. It's Hooker. Without Herbert, it's just Hooker. And Tech doesn't have a strong enough passing game to, to compensate, um, even against Liberty. So uh, that's a uh, you know, the last four games, that's going to be the big thing is if Virginia Tech can figure something out if Herbert is not available to, you know, lead the country in rushing week in and week out. Moving on to the defensive performance for Virginia Tech. And oh boy, this was not great. I will say before we go into the negatives, you know, tip of the cap to Amari Barno. I thought he had a tremendous game. 
Uh, he was involved so many times. Looked like the best defensive back and defensive lineman and the best linebacker out there. Pretty much the best player at all three positions. If there were 11 Amari Barnas, I think you see a much different result. And the sad part is, I don't even know if he knows what he's doing. I think, you know, he just transitioned to defensive end and he's making the most plays on the defense. So that tells you pretty much everything you need to know about this Virginia Tech defense. I will say Jalen Griffin, um, you know, getting two fumble recoveries. I thought when he was in, he did make a few big splash plays. I noticed him quite a bit. Um, But overall, the vibe of this defense was just not good. And everything, like I said before, that Liberty was known to be good at, they were able to extend that advantage. And it wasn't these big plays that have typically hurt Virginia Tech's defense in the past. It was slow, methodical drives that took so much time off the clock. And ultimately, no matter what efforts, no matter what big plays they made, they resulted in touchdowns. And if you look at some of the drives that Liberty had, 75 yards, 80 yards, 95 yards, and again, 75-yard touchdown drives. I think the only other touchdown drive was five yards because of a muffed punt. So Liberty pretty much did whatever they wanted on offense. The Virginia Tech defense could not get off the field, and that was the under game. Yeah, they did. Liberty's offense did exactly like we've talked about what they needed to do to win the game, which is extend long long drives and, and keep Virginia Tech's offense off the field. Um, Barna stood out for sure. He looks... If he can keep making progress, he's going to be a scary, scary player next year. Um, but, you know, the rest of the defense just is not good enough to 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 count on to get stops um, when you need it. Uh, you know, even that last touchdown, they had to let him score purposely because Willis ripped off a long run to put it in the five, put it within the ten at least. And they could have ran out the clock and kicked a field goal and won the picked a short field goal and won the game right there. So, um, you know, we're seven games into the 2020 season right now, and Virginia Tech's defense is what it is at this point. It's, you know, they've given up 56 to Carolina. They gave up 31 to Duke. They gave up 35 to Louisville, 35 to Liberty. This is a defense that you, if if they're not forcing tons of turnovers, and they got a couple in this game, um, but even if, even then, they still couldn't keep them under 35 points. So um, they they there are you know I you know you saw like Alan Tisdale play really well against um, what game was that Louisville? That's that needs to be more consistent. Amari Barno plays really well this week. Needs to be more consistent. Um, you know Devin Taylor, I think is a little unsuited free safety. Um, the Diablos, they, they have some pieces and they've made some progress, but it's certainly not enough. I want to transition to some of the crazy plays of this game, because obviously everyone's going to remember the last sequence um, that ultimately uh, gave Liberty the win in this game. But there were so many moments that were crucial to this game. Uh, let's start with the first one. Uh, the Liberty drive of the end of the first half. Malik Willis fumbles the football. Chamari Connor scoops it up and is running free, already celebrating before the 50-yard line. The ref blows the play dead. 
had he scored, you would assume the game would have been 24-14. Instead, Virginia Tech has to march down the field and kick a field goal. Yeah, I don't know if he would have made it to the end zone there. That seemed like that Liberty guy was hot on his heels there. Um, it would have been close, but that's, I know, Virginia Tech, I think, Fuente said either on the press conference yesterday or on Tech Talk Live last night that they sent that in for a, for a review, which is basically just like saying, you know, you guys got this wrong. Tell me that you guys got it wrong. Um, but that's a big play because if he, you know, if he if he does take it back or, you know, at least get it back to the 50 or somewhere closer, that's a much, you know, an easier, easier path than, than what Hidden Hooker had to do. So, um I think a 10 point game there instead of was it a six point game at half is potentially a, you know, a completely different story, especially if Virginia tech comes out and starts, you know, you're talking about if Virginia tech starts the second half strong there, they could potentially be up 31, 14 all of a sudden. And that's, that's one of the, one of the big moments that turned the game. And you would have to think that, you know, they, they only had a one minute and 46 seconds after that fumble. They reviewed it and said uh, Malik Willis fumbled it at the nine yard line. Virginia Tech ended up going 90 yards, which, yes, means they were on the one yard line and ended up kicking a field goal. Um, but you have to think with more time in their pocket and maybe a better field position uh, with the Liberty defense on the field. It didn't seem like it was too much of an issue for the Virginia Tech offense to march down the field. Obviously, 24 to 14 at half is a lot different than 20 to 14. Um, and I know a lot of people were uh, upset at the decision to kick a field goal at the one yard line with, I believe there is one second left after a, a penalty in the end zone. So Virginia Tech tried to go for it the play before. Um, but I think at that point, it's understandable. That's not one of the many coaching decisions that I question in this game. I think kicking the field goal, going up by six, just understanding the situation and taking the points is fine in that moment. Absolutely. That's one of, I mean, everybody would love for you to go for it every fourth down and, you know, take that risk. But then if you don't get it, you know, in the, you know, Virginia Tech's down 10 there at the, at the end of the game with no chance to get back in the game, then you're looking back at that saying, you know, that's an easy second guess no matter which way that you decide. Um, so I think especially, I think Virginia Tech was scheduled to get the ball in the second half first. So I, I, I question that you take the points there and go up 20 to 14 and try and score to open the second half. But um you know, that didn't work. So, yeah, I agree. I agree with that decision. You take the points there and not even not even think about it. You just go in, go into the locker room with some momentum and and trying to get out early in the second half and take control of the game. Now, here's the first controversial decision, and I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it just yet. But this was in the third quarter. Virginia Tech is down um, after Liberty scored a touchdown. It was 21 to 20. Virginia Tech is at the Liberty 35. It's third down. The play call, quarterback keeper, Hendon Hooker, do whatever you can. And to me, this was one play that stuck out to me because it said we could go for it on third down. We could try to get the conversion. But if we don't, 
all of a sudden it's a 52 yard field goal and we feel less comfortable taking it. However, if Hendon gets four, sudden it's a 48 yard field goal. And to me, that was the coaching staff playing a little too safe. Uh, I know I'm kind of nitpicking here, but Virginia Tech ended up settling for a 50-yard field goal, which they missed. And I thought that was another key point in this game that ultimately had maybe you drawn something else up and gone down the field and who knows what would have happened. Uh, Maybe you make a more manageable field goal or you take it all the way in, uh, knowing how effective this offense was against the Liberty defense. You could be singing a different tune at the end of this one. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about that play is, you know, um, that Hidden Hooker design run was the best play for Virginia Tech basically the whole second half. So, you know, third and six, you'd love to throw it, but, you know, they've also had a lot of success with him running the ball. So I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that was, you know, I, I do think that played into it where you're trying to pick up anything to make it a little bit closer field goal. And, um, but I also think I don't remember at that point of the game, if Nick Gallo was out yet, or if, um, you know, when you're down your top two tight ends and your top running back, you know, what's, it's kind of like, what's the other plays that you're you throwing to Trey Turner, basically that's the other play you wanted to go with. Um, so, you know, clearly didn't work. So this is the the second guessing portion where you can say that was a bad play call, but I don't know what the other option was if there was a better option on the table. And but I also think that fifty plus yard field goals are not exactly you know reliable options for points. So you know I think you probably would have you could argue they go for it on fourth down then if you're going to run that play um, as opposed to just trying to kick a you know, 50 something yard field goal and take three points. Um, the upside is probably a little bit higher to go for it at that point, especially when you're inside with that 40, 40 to 30 yards. Um, I think that would have been pretty safe then. Absolutely. That's a fair point too, about going for it on fourth down, if it's a bit closer and not to mention, I think the biggest problem with the Virginia tech offense is being in those situations where it is third and long and they have to go, uh, you know, five or more yards to get the first down. I don't think the offense is equipped to really manage those situations. They haven't been particularly good on third down this year, but the next play, this one was a tough one. It's actually right after the missed field goal. Liberty is marching down uh, the field, and for the first time all afternoon, uh, Virginia Tech's defense ends up stuffing uh, Liberty and forces them into a fourth and 23, the first time they had negative yards on a down-to-go. Their punter punts the ball on fourth down. Tavion Robinson, at his own five-yard line, Muffs the punt for the second time this season. And the very next play, Malik Willis, just easy touchdown, extends the Liberty lead. Yeah, it's, you know, kind of the one of the big stories is that Virginia Tech expected to have a huge or an explosive punt return unit because of what Robinson did at the end of last year. And they haven't gotten that many opportunities. He hasn't been that effective. And then obviously he's now got two two 
pretty huge muffs there. Obviously, the Duke one didn't end up costing them the game, but it was pretty darn close to it. Um, and that one just gifts them a, a free possession at the five-yard line. So um, there's no doubt that he's still a really good punt returner and a really dangerous punt returner. But the first job of every punt returner is to just catch the ball. And um, I don't know if you could, you know, it doesn't take much to lose that confidence and it doesn't take much for Justin Fuente to lose that confidence and in, in him being the right guy. So I think that's one of the stories to watch going forward. Um, if he can, if he can regain his mojo kind of other on the punt return, because, you know, that one clearly, you know, if you, if you go back to the first play we talked about and give tech a touchdown there. And then, and then if he just catches that and you take a touchdown off the board for Liberty again, different, completely different game. And, you know, the crazy part about Tavion Robinson, I don't think any of this is about his talent. I think you date back to last year and when he was instantly thrown on special teams, the impact he made was so positive. I think he only played in four games as the punt return man or five games and was instantly named uh, an All-American for PFF for freshman returners. So uh, Tavion Robinson definitely has the skill and I in all honesty, I think he is the best equipped to be the punt return man at Virginia Tech. I just think there's so much confidence and being in your own head about these things. And, you know, when that ball goes up, probably his first thought now is don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it. And that's a really bad place to be. Um, you know, Fuente was there consoling him after he dropped it for the second time this year. And obviously this one was worst case scenario. You know, the very next play, Liberty scores a touchdown. He probably feels horrible about it. But, um, you know, it, it's just so hard. And I don't know what the solution is to gaining your confidence back. But I think, uh, you know, I did see a lot of fans that said I'd never want to see Tavion Robinson on the punt return team again. And I think that's a little extreme, to be quite honest. Yeah, I agree. He's still, like I said, really good punt returner. And I, you know, I don't know how you get the confidence back if it's just uh, you got to hang with him. Looking ahead to Miami a little bit, I'm sure we'll touch on this in a in a little. But Miami's punter is excellent, and they, I'm pretty sure he's only allowed like one or two punt returns all year. Um, he's that good at getting the hang time. He does this little rugby punt that lets his gunners get down the field and basically forces a fair catch every time. So it's a big question mark heading into this week in particular, if, if Miami's going to punt four times, five times, maybe not that many times, but we'll see. Um, do you just throw out Tavion Robinson there and, and hope he, you know, knowing he's going to have fair catch opportunities to get his confidence back? Or do you say we can't afford that right now and turn to somebody else? So, just a little preview of the preview. A little preview of the preview. I will say this. Look, we're critiquing Virginia Tech very heavily right now. You can critique us, but the one thing you have to give us credit for is we give specialists a fair chance uh, to be heard. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But the last play I want to get into before we go into that last sequence, which is going to be electric, on third and eight, Liberty has the ball. Four minutes and 11 seconds to go. The game is tied 28-28. This is one of those moments where you kind of think to yourself, 
Virginia Tech hasn't gotten a stop this entire game. When they have gotten a stop, Tavion Robinson just muffed the punt. But this is like, this is the last chance. You know, prayers that if Virginia Tech makes this third down stop, Liberty is going to punt this ball. Virginia Tech has over four minutes to drive down the field, and you have to think would get the best chance to put up points. Instead, Malik Willis drops back. He's hit by Justice Reed. So his arm is going forward as he's hit. The ball goes straight up into triple coverage. And Yarborough, the wide receiver for Liberty, has just enough, just beyond the chains, to get a first down. Liberty goes on to continue to drive, and they score the touchdown that gives them the 35-28 to 28 edge. That was one of those plays where I just looked at it and I said, I am not surprised. With the way this game is going, I am not the least bit surprised that Liberty just converted an actual prayer. Yeah, if you hadn't um, gotten that doomsday Virginia Tech, oh, we, we can we can very much tell where this thing's going. Um, feeling until that point, you definitely got it right there. Did everything right. Got the pressure on the, got the hit on the quarterback. Got the ball floating up in the air. You know, it went basically right to the one receiver with when it, you know, a, f- a foot left or a foot right, it probably gets knocked down or picked off or something. Um, so that's just one of those fluky plays that you get unlucky for and you just say, well, it's this kind of feels like it's going to be one of those days if that's going to happen. Um, but definitely a big play because it, clearly extended their drive and let them go um, score that eventual touchdown that Virginia Tech had to basically concede defensively to. And I was a little surprised that, you know, the freeze didn't have them ready for that to, to kneel down before the, before the end zone. But yeah, I mean, I don't, they did everything right and it still went wrong. And um, I don't know what else to say. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody felt deflated after that one. Yeah, absolutely. And that was just to uh, provide some more context. That was the last drive for Liberty where or I should say the drive of Liberty where um, Virginia Tech held off their defenders and allowed Liberty to score. And many thought that they would just knee the ball down and kick the field goal, like you said. So but now we get to talk about perhaps the most insane sequence of events at the very end of the game. Liberty is, you know, I, I even tweeted this after Virginia Tech marched down the field, uh, converted on, I believe it was a fourth down conversion to Caleb Smith uh, to tie the game up at 35. I, I think I said, you know, that was a really impressive touchdown drive, but did Virginia Tech give Liberty a little too much time? And I think there's 50 seconds left in the game, but, you know, Liberty is marching down the field. Um, eventually they, they get it to a fourth down and they line up for a 59 yard field goal. Context is important here. Alex Babir, the Liberty kicker 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Is seven for eleven with a long of forty-two yards. You're extending that by seventeen with eight seconds left. Eight seconds is a lot of time to run into the end zone. I bet you Justin Fuente is thinking there is zero chance this kick is going up. He is frantically trying to call a timeout. The way that we viewed it was that he called a timeout as the ball was being snapped. He clarified in uh, a conference yesterday saying that he was trying to get a timeout in so that they could get the right personnel in. Uh, What that probably means, because, you know, he never really explains himself that well, is he probably wanted to play a prevent on the punt return or even just put down your put out your defense because there's no way they're going to kick it. Now, the weird thing is Hugh Freeze outcoached. Justin Fuente by making a horrible decision and actually kicking the ball. And I think, you know, obviously Jermaine Waller scoops up the ball because Virginia Tech blocks it, takes it in for a touchdown. Everyone thinks the game's over. If you're listening to the broadcast, you hear the whistles. So you're kind of you you already know that this one's coming back. Um, but, you know, I think this is one of those decisions where the idea makes sense for Justin Fuente. There's, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. It's Liberty. They have nothing to lose. A 59-yard field goal. You don't need to ice that. He admitted you don't need to ice that. Um, and anything could happen. Any trick play can happen. Make sure you call your last time out. You can't bring that with you after the game. Get yourself in a safe place or a safe coverage that, you know, those long passes or whatever could happen uh, doesn't happen. However, the fact of the matter is they called that timeout as the snap was happening. And I, you know, the ideas could be great, but the execution was default Fuente for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the, he wanted to call that timeout multiple seconds before that ball even got snapped and it didn't happen, but, um, (laughs) just a, just a wild sequence and to see a timeout called on a 59 yarder even if even if you don't have the right personnel on the field that's a problem at that point um you know <laughs> yeah, i know you got the timeout is to to make sure but you know i don't think there's no reason for you to have the wrong personnel on the field in that game at that point um you know but if he, if he, I think if he got it off, if he got the timeout called well before that and was able to, you know, get a couple safeties or a little more conservative, you know, you're still probably blocking that kick. Given it, it's not like you're going to bring a guy off the edge to block that kick. That's that's a kick that's going to be blocked right up the middle every single time, um, just because of how low it has to go to get that far, which is still insane that they that. Hugh Freeze 
tried a 17, a field goal that's 17 yards longer than his kicker's long field goal. So um, just a wild play. And, you know, if, if you're going to take Fuente at his word, which you should, that he was trying to get the, get the not called well before that happened, then I think, you know, that's, that's fair. But like I said, if, if you're worried about getting, getting the right guys on the field, that should have been our, that should have already happened. Um, so, I mean, clear, clearly then you, then you block the punt or block the kick and run it back for a touchdown. You think you win the game, everybody's running up and down the sideline. And then all of a sudden timeout gets called and you got to regroup with your, you know, Jermaine Waller just sprinted 50 yards to win the game and got swarmed, probably spent another 20 back to the sideline, another 20 back to the huddle. You know, they're, the defense is exhausted and everybody's freaking out and trying to figure out what happened. And then they, then they weren't ready for the, you know, they were just trying to prevent the hail Mary at the end of the game. And they took the extra eight yards and all that stuff. Um, just not a good sequence at the end of the game by, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And I, and I want to talk about, you know, Liberty comes back and they decide to go for it on fourth and six they get eight yards because Virginia Tech's playing in a prevent defense. Again, the sentiment is, I, I, I'm sure Justin Fuente was thinking, on that 59-yarder, there's some trick coming. On the next play, there's some trick coming. And somehow, Hugh Freeze just doing the basics, just thinking, I want a field goal, it's three points. That makes sense, right? Even though his kicker has never hit anything that long and then on the next play where many thought you know could go for a Hail Mary and get some points he goes well now I can make it a more manageable field goal so Hugh Freeze's indecisiveness uh, or just maybe bad situational coaching yet it worked uh, completely out coached <laughs> Justin Fuente and every situation was just the polar opposite it was the wrong decision um, but going going for that play on fourth and six, getting the eight yards with the prevent defense, obviously wide open guy, um, made it a 51-yard field goal. And this is the point that not a lot of people are talking about as well. Alex Babir, 7-4-11 with a long of 42 yards. Said that earlier. He is terrible on kickoffs, and perhaps if he were good on kickoffs, the first kickoff of the game where Khalil Herbert returned it, he wouldn't have gotten hurt. Uh, obviously, he came in with some lingering injuries, but the the fact of the matter is this is a kicker that doesn't have a strong leg. And I have a quote from him that's actually I read after the game. But uh, in an interview, Alex Babir said, I didn't kick for three years when he got to before the season kicking for Liberty. He said, football was not in my plan for the rest of my life. I was done. I wanted to live a normal life, be a student, get a job, move on. End quote. Alex Babir comes into the game and hits a 51-yard field goal right down the middle. Perhaps the worst kicker Virginia Tech has seen. A guy that struggled with injuries and thought about giving up his playing career altogether. I mean, first of all, credit to him, unsung hero for Liberty, but... I mean, with with all the plays we've been talking about, uh, with all the low percentage odds that Liberty converted or the low percentage odds that Virginia Tech hurt themselves with, it's just it's 
you almost knew that this guy, even though that, you know, in any other game probably had no chance against Virginia Tech, he was going to hit that 51 yarder down the middle with room to spare. Yeah, 100 percent. Like who we talked about that on that third and eight that fell that they completed. If you still didn't think this was go- like going against Virginia Tech based on everything else that happened today, then, then you definitely knew this was going in. Um, 59, <laughs> the, the the crazy thing, like he was he was still nine yards longer than his career long, and he was coming off a kick that had just like had no chance. It, it, it was blocked so easily, no chance. And he drills it because, of course, he drills it because – that's what happens um, to to Virginia Tech. That's that's like if you don't have that attitude as a fan, I don't know what you've been watching for the last 10, 20 years, whatever. Um, but, you know, just a wild. And I, I think I think the advantage that Hugh Freeze had, which enabled him to make these. You know, questionable decisions, I think sending a kicker out there to kick a 17 a field goal 17 yards longer than as long is quite insane uh but he doesn't have anything to lose he had like there was nothing if if liberty lost that game oh well they played really well it's still liberty they weren't expected to be beat virginia tech blah 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 so to give the guy you know i think a 51 yard field goal probably has a higher percentage chance no matter what his previous long was of a Hail Mary prayer to the end zone. Um, so he kind of had that flexibility to say, you know, what the heck, let's try a field goal and try and get out of here with a win right now. Um, so, but yeah, <laughs> crazy, crazy finish. And I mean, he knew it's that whole, the whole sequence from the block field goal to the timeout to the completion on the sidelines to the 51 yard field goal. Like that had that happened very quickly, but it was like, it was unfolding in slow motion and you knew exactly how it was going to end. Absolutely. And with that Liberty ended up topping Virginia tech 38, 35, a loss to a top 25 team, but more importantly, another loss to an in-state program, uh, losses to Old Dominion 2018, Virginia in 2019, which I think, you know, say what you want about the Commonwealth Cup and, and maintaining that streak, but that's that's a little more acceptable, I would say, ACC competition and obviously a really good UVA team last year, but Old Dominion and Liberty, bottom line, not acceptable losses. And, you know, I think there's a lot of national attention right now on Virginia Tech and saying, well, you just lost to a Liberty team that's really good. They're 7-0. and They have Hugh Freeze. They have a great quarterback. You know, what are you complaining about? This is not rock bottom. This is not losing to Duke by 35. This is not the old Dominion out of nowhere upset. But I think when you're a Virginia Tech fan and you're looking at this result, it's kind of like, well, this is deja vu. We've been here before. We've done this dance. Uh, we were told things were going to be better, and here we are, uh, back to square one. Um, and, I mean, you look at Justin Fuente's resume now. Uh, you know, after 2016, 
where he had a 10 and four season, Gerard Evans comes in and kind of reshapes everything. Uh, ACC championship game appearance, uh, playing Clemson so close that you were right there uh, in the red zone uh, about to tie the game. And, you know, Clemson goes on to win the national championship that year. To a lot of Virginia Tech fans, that was like, you're, you're tasting that success. You're seeing, okay, we just suffered a few years at the end of the Beamer era of mediocrity, and now all of a sudden we're that close to being with the Clemsons of the world. And instead, you know, things go down in 2017 by a game, and it's not as impressive. And then, you know, 2018 happens. It's the first losing season since 1993. Um, and you just look at it, and now Virginia Tech is 4-3. and three. And, you know, throughout, Justin Fuente has been five for 10 against top 25 teams. He has six losses to unranked teams as a ranked team. You look at from last year, 45 to 10. Uh, and then, you know, you think things will get better while well, you look at the recruiting results. And Virginia Tech the last two years has been one of the worst power five recruiting schools in the country. So I guess my question to you is just like explain can you explain the optics for virginia tech fans right now and why they're so hurt with justin fuente yeah for the case against justin fuente is is clear and in my opinion pretty definitive um you know every new coach has that honeymoon period where they get the benefit of the doubt and they get the optimism and all that stuff. And that definitely held true for Justin Fuente in 2016 when they went to the ACC championship. I don't think anybody had any issues with that kind of turnaround. 2017 lost a bunch of talent from that 2016 team. Still had a really good defense. You had, they still won nine games, went to the Belk Bowl, I think, um, or Camping World Bowl. Um, wherever they played Oklahoma State. Um, but I think you had the the first defections there of support for Fuente was, you know, they had two Saturday night primetime games against Clemson and Miami, and they got smoked in both of them. So, you know, you kind of had, if you were looking at 100% support for him leading up to that time, you kind of had, the you know, the early jumpers that were bailing as soon as possible. Because, you know, Let's be honest, that's that's what they do. They second guess and they judge. They take a negative approach. And as soon as first sign of trouble, they bail. So he still has a good bit of support, I think, going into 2018, especially after beating Florida State to open the season. But then Old Dominion happens and there is a good chunk of the fan base. There's a good chunk of support that that you're just never going to get back after after that game. Um Especially when you factor in, you know, if if there is some people remaining and giving them the benefit of the doubt, then you factor in the end of that season with the blowout losses to Pitt and Georgia Tech and Miami there. You know, I think you lost a good chunk there. You lost another good chunk there. The Duke game. Maybe you got a little bit back with that six and one stretch, but then losing to EVA and then now. Now you've lost to Wake Forest and Liberty in the last two out of the last three weeks. So, you know, it's they've lost five games or more in three straight seasons, or they are heading that way, um, depending. You know, that's the looking at the rest of the schedule, that's very possible. So, 
you know, the optics are, you know, we're, we're here in year five and we talked about it all, all off season that this was going to be the year for the resurgence for, you know, throw away the recruiting of the last couple of years, success on the field this year would, would turn everything around and show that, you know, 2018 and 2019 were worth it, that the recruiting was going to jumpstart here now that they've now that they're winning consistently on the field and that that hasn't happened and you know i don't think i think it's going to be hard for a coach who's lost to old dominion and liberty to to regain support it's going to take something you know pretty major pretty a pretty pretty amazing run from here to the end of the year if that's when they make the decision or here through the end of next year to try and figure something out. So definitely, uh, definitely interesting times in Blacksburg, but I don't, I don't think anybody will say that like Justin Fuente is in good shape right now. There's no way you can be in good shape after, you know, three straight seasons, looking at three straight seasons of five losses or more, you know, throw away the, you know, you can, ignore just mold the old dominion loss into a whole group of losses for that season mold the liberty loss into what could be five or six losses this year i mean at the end of the day it comes down to wins and losses and if you're losing five six games a year seven games in 2018 you're not close to competing for an acc championship there and you know at some point here in year five you've got to say that's the decision is it or is Virginia Tech close or are they not? And, you know, that evidence is hard to dispute. Yeah, it's tough because Virginia Tech is a tough job. You're expected to win. You're not expected to lose. And you're especially not expected to lose to the Old Dominions, Dukes, Wake Forests, Liberties of the World. And, you know, that list extends quite a bit under Justin Fuente. And I think when you look at what he's been able to do, you know, it kind of hurts being so successful in year one because that's your peak. That's what you're expected to bring on an annual basis. And a lot of people went into this year saying Virginia Tech had a good chance to win 10 games right before COVID hit. They said this is one of the teams that is going to be a defining program builder for Justin Fuente if he's going to be here for the long term. And instead, now you're sitting at four and three. You're looking at the schedule. You're looking at number nine Miami next weekend and saying, I don't feel too good about that one. You're looking at Clemson in a few weeks and saying, you know what, don't even play that game. Uh, And then, you know, Pittsburgh and and UVA for as bad as they've been. uh, There's evidence that they could beat Virginia Tech this year just as Liberty and Wake Forest has. So uh, I think it's it's really unsettling times for Virginia Tech fans. Um, And, you know, another aspect of that has been, you know, Justin Fuente has done a good job and I will give him credit for with these shortcomings, with these uh, pitfalls to teams that Virginia Tech shouldn't be losing to. Uh, he's been able to rebound. And I think a lot of fans expect that to be kind of, okay, this is rock bottom. We just beat or we just lost to Duke. Now we're going to go ahead and beat Miami and win, you know, the six of the next whatever games. And all of a sudden that's behind us and we're okay with that. But when this happens year after year, it, you know, it gets to a point where, what if Virginia Tech doesn't rebound? What if they don't come back stronger from this? And I think that's why a lot of fans are also very weary about the prospects of Justin Fuente and Blacksburg right now. 
Yeah, so the question the rest of the year is, is this going to be a 2019 finish or is this going to be a 2018 finish? Um, you're talking about 2019 when Virginia Tech lost Duke, turned to Hendon Hooker, ripped off, went 6-1, and one, played played Virginia for a spot in the ACC championship. Um, great turnaround by any any stretch, no doubt about it. Great coaching job there. Or is it like 2018 when... You know, you know, Tech lost the Old Dominion, but then came out the next week, beat Duke to set up a big game with Notre Dame, lost that game, came out the next week and beat Carolina. They were still sitting at, you know, it's at four and two. And then they go lost by 21 to Georgia Tech, lost by 10 to Boston College, lost by 30 to Pitt, lost by 24 to Miami. So that, that you know, is it going to be the 2019, you know, return? Or is it going to be, you know, by the end of that Miami game, it was, you know, pretty bleak. And it was, you know, that was a, they were in that game in the first half and then folded in the second half. Same thing with Pitt and Georgia Tech and all that stuff. So um, I think the discussion about his future is going to be much clearer one way or the other by the end of the year. There are four, you know, Miami's obviously pretty good. Clemson is obviously exceptionally good pittsburgh is pittsburgh at this point um they've got a really really strong defense which is not a great sign for how how efficient virginia tech's defense uh, virginia tech's offense needs to be to win games um and then obviously the rivalry so it could get ugly it could you know or they could go three and one or you know two and two and look decent enough where you feel all right so we'll see about the end of the year, I think we're going to have a much clearer picture one way or the other. And the the last thing I'll say about, you know, the optics on Justin Fuente and maybe what a lot of people don't understand is all the evidence provided was on the field. What happened in games, not necessarily the mass transfer exodus, not necessarily flirting with Baylor and potentially taking a new job. Uh, and not even to mention that, you know, the engagement from fans uh, into the program has been stripped away because you look at Frank Beamer, he's a guy with nothing to hide. He shows fans open practices and with Justin Fuente, everything's tight lipped. And then you're starting to ask, OK, we can't really find out anything about this program except for what's given by the athletic department about the program. So if you're going to be tight-lipped operating in secrecy and privacy, is this the results that fans deserve? Is this what's going to bring the most engagement? So I think there's so many factors to discuss here, but I don't want to go too in-depth with it. I think maybe this is something we can revisit uh, at the end of the year and kind of discuss it more in-depth. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop the track. Stop the track. It's not over yet. Okay. It's not closing time. We still have part two to this episode. We're going to discuss Miami. It's going to be a good time. Come join us. You'll find it in the next link for this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We still got a part two. So come join us. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. 
The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. <laughs>